I can't imagine how your heart and soul wouldn't be in it because they're trusting in you to be a part of that adventure and that journey and they're trusting in you to uh, understand in a way what they're trying to say and what they're trying to do and that's a huge responsibility but um, that's really also part of what pushes me to do the best I can and be honest as well with what I do because if I'm not then the work will suffer. So for me as well, I love working with repeat clients because usually by that stage, you have broken down the walls of when you first meet and you have to suss each other out and everything like that. And uh, yeah, everything's really comfortable and the trust is there and that really shows in the work, I believe. Welcome to the Being in a Band podcast. I'm your host, Monica Strutt, and I'll be your new band bestie as we deep dive into all things music marketing, PR and strategy, as well as the mindset it takes to succeed in today's modern music industry. I know the highs and lows of being a musician, and I've seen far too many of my talented peers give up on their dreams far too early in their careers. After working for years, both as a musician and professional digital marketer specializing in the music industry, I now help emerging bands break through the glass ceiling and reach the next level in their careers. Let's do this. What is up, guys? Welcome back to the Being in a Band podcast. It is raining outside, so if you can hear that, then I hope that it adds to the ambience. But if any of you listening want to build me some sort of sound blocking device type device um, that I can place around my microphone, then I will give you access to my social media course. So if you want to build that for me and send it to me, then that would be much appreciated because I'm pretty chill when it comes to the sound of my podcasts. But, um, you know, speaking to musicians, I'm always worried that you guys are going to judge me. So don't judge me. But also if anyone wants to build me some sort of contraption, some sort of mini sound booth for my microphone, please go ahead and I will uh, reward you with some sort of, um, yeah, course or something like that. Um, But yeah, today I'm speaking with someone who has actually played a pretty pivotal role in my own musical journey. David Owen Blackley is a filmmaker and music video director who not only did my band The Last Martyr's latest two videos, but also my first ever video clip back in 2014. Dave now lives in the Netherlands, but back when he was in Australia, I remember he used to drive around the country, car packed full of gear and lights and whatnot, to wherever city the band he was working with was based. On the occasion he worked with my last band back in 2014, his car actually broke down less than halfway through the 12-hour drive it takes to get from Brisbane to Sydney. For some reason, we couldn't reschedule and the poor guy rocked up at 6.30am after driving all through the night, collapsed for about an hour in the spare room before plowing through the full day of shooting and delivering us an absolutely killer video clip. And I think this story is really representative of Dave's work ethic. And it's no wonder that he has been able to build an amazing business for himself, not only here in Australia, but also in the Netherlands, Europe, UK, and more. Dave and his company, Her Name is Murder Productions, has worked with bands such as Sepultura, The Cranberries, Norma Jean, Swan Inn, Snot, Unearth, Story of the Year, Thy Art is Murder, Super Heist, Ocean Grove, Red Hook, The Amity Affliction, and more. During this interview, we go deep into what it means to be an artist and the beautiful synergy between sound and visuals. 
Her Name is Murder Productions now has a signature style, which is vintage HD, which Dave goes on to explain in the interview. But as you'll hear, it took some time for him, like 99.9% of artists, to not only find their own style, but build the confidence to showcase that style fully and unapologetically. We also talk practically about how to even start planning for a video clip, the role of a director, and how to find your own visual style when you may not have ever done a video before or many videos before. I think you'll really like this interview. We are friends, so um, I feel like the conversation is just very flowy. It's It goes deep, and yeah, I just think you'll get a lot out of it. Anyway, let's get into it. <laughs> What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Being in a Band podcast. I am so, so, so excited because on the line here, I've got one of my friends and the amazing filmmaker and music video director, David Owen Blackley of Her Name is Murder Productions. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Monica. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this. Very, very welcome. So excited uh, to Mm -hmm. have you on. So for those who haven't come across your work so far, then um, tell us who you are and what you do. Ooh, okay. Well, we were deciding what to call me before and we went (laughs) to filmmaker slash music video director. I started uh, Her Name is Murder in 2009 with the dream of directing music videos. And at that stage, it was the dream to... uh, work with anyone I could in Brisbane really and started up and then that that kind of moved on to me working around Australia and that's what planted this seed for me really uh looking to travel with my work and create new experiences with new people and push myself as a visual storyteller and that opened up my mind to the possibility of moving the business overseas, which is then what happened in 2014. And from there I got into making uh, music documentaries and that kind of was a happy accident, but I'm glad that it happened because it really allowed me to have the opportunity to go a lot deeper with telling stories and really allowed me to end up in a lot of places around the, the world, uh, doing things I kind of never would have even imagined. So uh, Her Name is Murder Productions now for me is uh, just kind of a place where we can tell stories, we can work with bands, we can work with artists to really portray where they are at, at this point in time in terms of a visual and a narrative aspect in some degree as well. And uh the main, the main aim is to really honour and respect the artists, uh, whether it be their story or the song that we're making a music video for at that point in time and really help get what they want to say across, um, but doing it, you know, in our style. So no job's ever really the same, which is what's lovely about it. And um, that keeps it really interesting and fresh. And, of course, like most creatives, I suppose, you really strive to keep evolving and pushing yourself every day um, which is also uh, a blessing and a curse but more a blessing of course (laughs) I hope (laughs) definitely you mentioned your individual style so I feel like it's important Mm -hmm. to ask you about your signature style which is vintage HD if you can describe yeah just what that is and how that kind of developed over the years um I think when you're when you're creating uh something the scariest thing is 
believing in yourself and then once you get to that stage if you get to that stage then it's then uh releasing that out into the world so when I started uh her name is murder I mean I, I was obviously really influenced by so many things around me um and I was born in the 80s and I grew up first really noticing music videos in the 1990s and uh, being really influenced, um, this was before I was obviously making anything, but as, as a kid and a teenager, I, I knew I really loved that style and I was a big sucker for 90s cinema, particularly uh, 90s action cinema. And then as the business started and, you know, uh, all this HD technology was becoming very accessible and affordable with Canon and Nikon, um, I, I started getting into the world of music videos and when I first was creating music videos, I was really looking up to a lot of other people and a lot of other work. And I think, I guess that's a natural process when you start off, you try to emulate what you enjoy and also what you consider to be of good quality and successful. Um, but the problem that comes with that is you're not actually creating your own voice. Uh, and you can't really make what other people make. So when you realize that you're uh, in a way failing at that, you start to really um, judge if you're capable of being an artist and if you have anything to say at all. Mm. And traveling around Australia and then eventually moving overseas and gaining more life experience and more uh, kind of confidence in myself was the beginning really of me starting to explore what I really wanted to say as a filmmaker. And uh, my work for me is really, really personal and emotional. I put all of myself into it. So it makes sense on paper, of course, that like I really obviously have to do me to tell the story. But that took a long, long time to discover. Um, so... For me, Vintage HD is what I call what I do. A lot of other artists maybe do similar stuff, of course, as well. But for me, my voice is kind of combining my roots, which is, yeah, the VHS, 90s music video scene mixed with, you know, modern day HD. Um, and I've had a lot of fun, particularly in the last five years, really exploring that to a place where I now feel that I have consistency in what I'm doing and what I'm wanting to say. And uh, that consistency is uh, getting noticed, I suppose, now by other people that now come to me for what I do. And I think as an artist, that's probably one of the greatest compliments you can have when you start developing a style that gets recognised. But um, it was definitely a really long journey to get to that point for sure. Like for me, the first five years of the business, uh, I'm really, really proud of it. But it's really obvious to me now looking back that I was trying out a lot of things and I was in a way pushing a lot of avenues that weren't really honest to who I was. But I can still see like the specks and the glimmers in the work. Um, but yeah, for me personally, like the last five years, particularly the last three years has been really, really exciting uh, for me on a personal level and definitely on a creative level. 
Yeah, I love that. And I think that so many musicians as well can relate to exactly what you said about that journey to feeling confident enough to be authentic. Mm. It is such a long journey. And I think that anyone who's creative, like we really do wear our hearts in our sleeve, but it also Mm. takes a lot of work to get to that point where you feel yeah comfortable enough to do so. So it's been really cool actually watching your journey because we've known each other for a number of years now, I think we filmed the video for my old band, uh, 2014, I want to say. Correct. Yeah. I might've met you earlier that year or the previous year or Mm -hmm. something when you were doing stuff for friends bands and your style wasn't really what it is today. I I can kind of link the two together, but, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, now you definitely have a very crystal clear style. And one of the things that I love as well, one of your techniques is filming um with a handheld camera a screen is have I got that right oh yeah like when I'm playing something through uh, a tv screen and then I'm filming that through my camera is that yeah. what you mean yeah because yeah, we, we did that on um on the music video for last Marta. yeah yeah if you guys want to yeah. look that up that's our fear video clip and um yes. yeah it's really cool like you can definitely see how much work you put into it because there was so many like cool little techniques and each edit we got back had all these like little nuances <laughs> that, and like some of them you don't even notice till several watches through which is what I personally love about video clips um mm-hmm. yeah is there anything like that that uh you try and you know obviously um, you work a lot with bands on like the storyline or anything. Do you have any, um, do you have any ways that you kind of, I mean, don't reveal any secrets obviously, but, um, do you have any ways that you kind of, what am I trying to say here? <laughs> any like, take- <laughs> what are you trying to say, Monica? <laughs> um, I have no fucking idea. Um, <laughs> let's just move on from that question. But, um, <laughs> is there anyone now that you kind of look to for inspiration or are you kind of really at this point where you're sort of just going off on your own? tangent when it comes to your work I'm uh always inspired which is I think quite healthy I think like the big difference between now and before is um I would be inspired by things around me and then like I mentioned then I would try to reproduce that uh thinking oh I I like that style um that's what I should be doing I think (laughs) oh okay I can't do that man I suck as a filmmaker (laughs) um and uh, like now the the difference is um like uh, every day I'm continuous uh, continually influenced by so many things around me not just uh music videos or cinema but the seasons say like in Europe or people I meet um dreams um my own brain that never stops <laughs> like food I don't know anything this conversation even even like uh, just talking about our uh, music videos from the past really quickly of course then that brings up a whole lot of nostalgia and really lovely memories and um then I'll think about you know maybe particular things that we did on those shoots and uh, that'll inspire me to maybe push certain things from that even further so um in terms of music video directors, I'm still super influenced by a few from uh, the 1990s, like Dean Carr and uh, Samuel Hayer. He did a lot of stuff with the Cranberries and um, Bullet with Butterfly Wings by Smashing Pumpkins. And he did like Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana, which was mm. his first ever music video. 
Wow. Imagine, imagine being able to say that. But, um, <laughs> like, yeah, those couple of guys, uh, Nathan Cox is another one. Uh, those kind of guys, in a nutshell, represent what I love about 90s music videos. And then um, today is such an exciting time because even on, on the east coast of Australia or in Perth as well, there's so many great guys just killing it with the music video game. And um, it's cool because as an artist, I think it's really important to try and not be threatened by people around you creating. And uh, it comes back down to having kind of the confidence to do what you do. Um, Cause it's hard because like you were saying before, how we wear our heart on our sleeve. Um, it's very easy to feel insecure and it's very easy to uh, talk down on yourself. Um, and I think in our community with uh, directors or musicians or, you know, just creatives in general, it's far more positive to kind of band together and not necessarily, I mean, work together, but to be a support team for each other because we can also really help each other out a lot with, uh, all the things we're going through as well. Like we can relate to a lot of things with each other. We can share stories. We can share advice. And there's a lot of people that I talk to um, that I've never even met in person, but they are directors and uh, or they, they tour with bands and you can really help each other a lot just by communicating and talking and listening. And uh, that goes a long way. And I think um it's a really great thing to have a support system with creatives and uh, cheer each other on because when, when, uh, when you feel that other people's success is a reflection on maybe how much success you're not gaining, that's obviously not going to do any good for anyone. And uh, you can get really lost in that world. So I think I've kind of forgotten what your question was. Yes. But, uh, <laughs> I'm actually super glad that you went on that tangent though. Because, um, it's something that I've been speaking a lot about is the whole like looking after your mindset. And I even, uh, the last podcast episode that I released, um, you know, someone was, I did like an ask me anything episode where someone asked me, um, you know, what do I, I feel about bands who see each other as competitors? And I think mm-hmm. that you've just really summarized the fact that we are much stronger banded together. I mean, that's how scenes Mm. are created and, um, you know, that's how, you know, forming relationships is really the basis of the whole music industry, especially in the heavy scene. I found um, that the community is a lot stronger in the heavy scene. What are your thoughts on that? I, um, I guess um, we, her name is murder always gets in a way labeled as working with, just heavy bands and um i think that maybe is because of, of course we do work with a lot of heavy artists but um yeah the community within that scene is like a huge family and in families of course you have different like sectors as well so you uh, have like little other groups under that umbrella where uh, you're extremely close with this group and then you're kind of acquaintances with this group. But I've always like found it really interesting that in the heavy community, everyone kind of knows each other or uh, everyone uh, knows of each other. And it makes sense, of course, if that's the case, uh, 
to try and be the best person that you can be and be supportive and be a listener and uh, just to be there for, uh, I don't know, uh, people that maybe need your help or need someone to talk to or whatever. And I think that's just as simple as strength in numbers. Um, the community is a passionate one. People that listen to heavy music, I'm not saying that people that listen to other music aren't passionate about it, but um, there's such a, a fire and a hunger and a sense of adventure uh, in the heavy community. And um, that's really amazing to be a part of and it's really inspiring a lot of these bands that I work with I've worked with for such a long time and we were talking as well with us from 2014 you really go on a journey with these bands and these people and uh because of that friendships can form or there's that sense of camaraderie uh, or family or bonding and when you see your friends succeed and tick these goals off their bucket list with their their art like honestly that's one of the best feelings in the world and um when you're working with bands as well like i i can't imagine how your heart and soul wouldn't be in it because they're trusting in you to be a part of that adventure and that journey and they're trusting in you to uh understand in a way what they're trying to say and what they're trying to do and that's a huge responsibility but um that's really also part of what pushes me to do the best I can and be honest as well with what I do because if I'm not then the work will suffer um, so for me as well, I love working with repeat clients because usually by that stage you have broken down the walls of when you first meet and you have to suss each other out and everything like that. And, uh, yeah, everything's really comfortable and the trust is there and that really shows in the work, I believe. So yeah, it's really important to really kind of support each other and look out for each other. And it's a great feeling to invest in each other as well it goes a long way yeah oh my gosh I completely agree and resonate with everything that you just said especially <laughs> now that you know I've transitioned out of um I don't want to say like just being a musician because I've always worked in music media for a long mm -hmm. time but sort of in this different position now starting my consulting business and working with bands in a different capacity I was always like that person that people used to go to for advice. So it doesn't feel like too different to what I've always done, a lot more structured and strategic. Mm -hmm. um, but, yep. yeah, I just completely um, – it is a huge responsibility uh, working with other artists in any mm. capacity, really, if they're trusting, with, trusting in you and investing in you um, to, yeah, do a service for them. So, definitely, yeah, I completely agree, like, your heart definitely has to be in it or else there's really no point even. Yeah, it has to be in it. And uh, at the very least, it has to be in the right place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, um, yeah, I just really am a firm believer that, like, it's, it's more than a payday. It's more than making money. Like, and people, people often say, oh, it's not about the money. And, um, you know, I, I really think that's true. I wish in a way that it didn't exist <laughs> because, but at the end of the day, we have to pay bills and we have to eat and all that stuff and survive. Um, well, it enables like, you know, paying someone for their services enables them to do more of what they're good at in the world. And that just makes the world a better place in my opinion. 
Yeah, and that's that's totally it. Like uh, there can be such a negative connotation when it comes to money, and you know, money can cause a lot of uh, problems and a lot of tension, uh, professionally and personally. But um, it's a currency that we work with, and I think when we start realizing that um, it's more than just kind of paying someone, it's yeah, like you said, an investment as well, and it all goes around. Like it, it it's it goes around and. Yeah, I think uh, not only uh, a financial investment, but yeah, that personal and emotional investment is really important with art because uh, you want to release your art pure, you know, like uh, it's hard to explain some of these things in a way and I don't talk about them too too much, but I really feel that you can notice when um, art has been tainted for mm-hmm. whatever reason. Um, and I think as an artist as well, you can always tell when you release something that maybe there, there was either complications or there was whatever issues. Um, and maybe other people might not notice it, but you will notice it. And uh, I think, yeah, I always just strive to try and be as honest as I can with my work and um, make it with uh, a full heart. Yeah, um, I just did a post. <laughs> it just reminds me of something else I mentioned this week. This week I've been like really diving into mindset, but um, mm-hmm. I was talking about like being fully behind and having integrity in what you're creating. Because yes, integrity, o- that's the word. <laughs> yeah, um, because not only, you know, can people perhaps notice when something, you know, you're doing something because, you know, what you were saying at the start, you were kind of maybe trying to fit into a mould or taking in, Mm-hmm. too much influence from other people instead of looking within kind of thing not only that but if you're not fully behind the work that you're producing it actually affects in a real world way how you market your work and mm-hmm. as a musician it, you know it's always going to be your job even when you're signed to labels and have managers and all of that it's always going to be your job to be your biggest ambassador for your work and if you aren't fully behind that it impacts yep. Uh, how often you speak about your work, how you're pushing that work on social media, um, how much effort you're going to with the branding side of things. And it has a very real world knock-on effect when your heart isn't behind what you're producing, I think. Yes, totally. And you can't sleep at night properly if, you, <laughs> if, you're, not back, if you're not backing what you do. Yeah. You know it as well and it starts eating you from the inside out. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, it's funny, like, because I was creating for so long, um, like I was talking about in the early days, and sometimes you don't notice it for a while as well when you're building things up and creating something. Um, but I don't know, yeah, the moment that the switch happened for me and I started realising what I was all about and also like my capabilities and also what I wasn't capable of. That's really a refreshing thing as well. Kind of discovering your world and what you can do within that. Um, it, yeah, it is, it is like a switch because it made such a big difference to me. Um, because then I was able to, I was able to move forward uh, so much stronger from that moment onwards. And I had a lot more kind of direction uh, with everything I was doing. How did moving overseas impact your career? And tell us about the early 
parts of moving overseas and some of the opportunities that you've you've had um the overseas thing was really uh birthed from my experiences traveling around australia um first of all traveling up and down the east coast is kind of where it all began i i personally had never really traveled much around my own country so it all started with traveling the east coast and then i got invited out by a band to the west coast and i never even ever thought i'd be over in western australia anytime soon and and then i got over there and i met lovely people and saw a lot of beautiful places and i remember thinking wow this was just all because of my work that I'm here now and I'm seeing more places than I've ever seen before. And after doing that for a few years, uh, I think my brain started <laughs> opening up and going, "Wow, imagine if you could like do this, but do it around the world. And that's pretty much the birth of that concept. And the thing is though, like once I had that idea, then I decided really quickly that that's what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a way I kind of went overseas pretty quickly. I had a plan, but in retrospect, now looking back, I realized that that plan was really thin, but a part of me in a way, I'm quite nomadic in the respect that I decide I want to do something and then I make it happen quite quickly. And then I start working it out as I'm doing it. Um, so going overseas was very much like that in a way I knew I was going to London I had a place ready to move into and I thought well I've been working so much in Australia throughout 2014 that I'll have plenty of post-production to tie me over for about six months while I start setting things up overseas and uh, so I was still releasing content when I was in London but um, I wasn't really shooting anything and I quickly realized that London really wasn't going to work out for me in the way that I had hoped it would. And uh, so I stayed in London for about five months. And then after London, I kind of put everything in a backpack and with my camera and a laptop, just headed out to Scotland. And I found this place called Teapot Studio, which was this little recording studio in the, in the Scottish countryside hills. and. Um, it was the complete opposite of everything London represented. Um, and I really kind of found a purpose by shooting endlessly at that studio for one week. That was really where the documentary uh, avenue was birthed because I went there and it's a recording studio where bands go out there and while they're there, they sleep there, they live there, they eat there, they have fun there and they record there. It's just open all the time and it's this studio in the middle of nowhere. So it's really just you and the music. And uh, I, I found myself, I was filming for a whole week and then when the week was over, I had all this footage and didn't know what to do with it. And I thought, well, I'll just make something and see what comes out of it. And that's, that was my first documentary essentially. And that kind of practice and that week of living then really shaped what I wanted to do with my overseas experience, which was to kind of travel from job to job and uh, work in a way wherever the work would take me. And while I was doing that, I was keeping Australia active. Uh, I was visiting Australia at least once a year. 
uh, to still do shoots there and to work with uh, bands that I worked with before. And uh, I was also then offering the opportunity to have bands work with um, a freelance cinematographer if I couldn't be there in person and then shoot narrative elements overseas to add an international scope to bands' music videos. So I've just kind of been spending the last few years maintaining both of those worlds. I really want to keep Australia going. And then at the same time, I'm trying to build uh, my enterprise over in Europe. Um, and it's, it does keep things very exciting. And I, I don't really want it to be one or the other. Like I really want to be able to work and operate around the world. And obviously I have family and friends in Australia and so much history with her name is murder. So, uh, I really feel fortunate that I can, uh, maintain, you know, a working relationship around the world doing what I do. And that's kind of, I don't know if that was my intention when I moved overseas, but that's now become my reality. And uh, my dream now is really to, to do this, you know, uh, forever, I guess, is the easiest way to say it. But as long as I can still hold a camera, as long as I can still uh, see and hear what I'm editing, <laughs> um, then I just want to keep doing this every day. So it's just now about kind of maintaining that and evolving that over time. Yeah, nice. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I love the story about because um, you, you toured with some bands um, as well around Europe, like kind yeah. of earlier on after you moved there. Yeah, I had some, I was pretty lucky. Like uh, I really had to put myself out there all over again. When I, when I moved from Australia, everything was really lovely and self-sufficient in a way in terms of the work coming in and people knowing my, my brand and what I was all about. And then when I came overseas, of course, you know, it was no one and it was a really big market. So it was, it was really fun kind of going back to the roots of having to put myself out there and chase work. And, uh, yeah, I was lucky enough to get some uh, really cool jobs with bands like um, Snot and Sepultura and um, a lot of bands that I grew up listening to in high school. And that's a really big kind of part of um, how I chase work these days is I really have this lovely fantasy about working with bands whose posters were on my wall or who I played air guitar to when I was a teenager um, cause it all comes back down to that emotional connection with something. So, uh, let's say working with your band as well, like the emotional connection is super strong with that because we have such a history now and I'm friends with you as well. So there's different ways that emotions can be involved in what I do. Um, but I think it's quintessential to any job I do. I have to be emotionally invested in it for sure. But, um, Yes, a lot of those early jobs when I first moved overseas really helped a lot because uh, at the end of the day as well, um, obviously having some decent names on the resume doesn't hurt. (laughs) But I was just lucky that those decent names were actually, they didn't have to be big bands for me. I'm just lucky that they were because it helped a lot. But like I said, it could have been anyone as long as I had that connection with it. 
Yo, this is a message for anyone that lives in Melbourne. I'll actually be speaking at my very first event on Sunday, the 1st of March. I'm speaking at Squad Sundays, which is here in Abbotsford in Melbourne, all about music marketing and release strategy. So the ticket link is down below in the show notes. It's only 25 bucks and you get pizza and wine and there's networking before the guest speaker, aka me, begins. I can't wait to meet so many of you in person. I'm so excited, but there is only 30 tickets available. So um, tickets are selling fast, but from what I hear, there is still a couple available. So that's next Sunday, the 1st of March. The ticket link's down below and I can't wait to meet you. Shifting gears a little bit. So I really Uh want to ask you some questions (laughs) that I don't think we've really spoken about before. So, and I I know that I get these kind of questions a lot around things like branding, because I often, um, when a band comes to me is kind of when they're planning all of these sorts of things for a release and we're doing the Uh release strategy together, how many videos and really creating a brand around a band, which is really hard in my opinion. Like I even find it hard in my own band to kind of look at things objectively and, Mm. you know, start thinking about visuals and how that's going to carry forward, um, you know, into a lot of the things videos included. So first off, where would you recommend a band start when planning a video clip? They've got the song, um, it's being mastered at the moment. Where would you start? Mm. Um, I guess it's really important to make sure that the whole band is committed to the concept of doing a music video because um, it can happen quite a lot where uh, you get approached by a band to make a music video and then you start working on it and start planning it and then for whatever reason then it falls apart because of either uh, finances or then maybe within the band uh what they want changes between members and so i think first and foremost make sure that you you, you've picked someone that you really want to work with um and that it's something also that you really want to do uh music videos are a lot of fun uh but they're also a lot of a lot of hard work as uh i'm sure (laughs) you could say as well like even with fear doing that music video was one of my funnest shoots, but I'll also associate that memory with like a huge, huge day. Yeah. It was like Uh, a 12 hour shoot. (laughs) Yeah. And then, um, but like, that's the stuff that produces, you know, something that you, you stand by and you're really proud of, like, uh, nothing comes easy, I guess you could say, but when you're doing it with commitment, and you're doing it with the people you want to work with, you know, like you're, you're aware of the work, but that's not really the forefront because you're creating and you're doing it together and you're on the same mission together. Um, so I guess like what I'm trying to say is if everyone's committed to the task at hand, you will go as far and as hard as you need to go to get the job done. Um, mm. Because you can really make, you can really tell the difference when that's not the case. Um, and then that, that energy and that vibe, of course, rubs off on everyone. So, um, I don't mean to keep coming back to our music video, but, uh, it's a good example of like everyone on that day was, you know, willing to put in the yards, was 
willing to go the extra mile and was also willing to trust in uh, ideas I would throw out, even if they were on the day as well. And um, so I think first and foremost, that would be the thing to make sure it's really something you want to do and that you're working with someone that you believe you want to work with. Um, And then from there, like it's not essential to have the concept before you approach uh, the director or to even know everything you want to do. I mean, I guess it can be as collaborative as you want it to be. But um, I think once the commitment's there, then um, from there, it can be a real collaborative process of going back and forth and working out the concept. Um, I know that some bands can feel scared if they don't have an idea already, but um, it's not really about having the idea finalized before you approach someone. It's just about having the, uh, the idea and the excitement and the commitment to do something because a uh, music video can be a really, really unique experience. And like you can, in a way, like anything's possible. And the, the job of pre-production is then to kind of define what that anything is and then make that a realistic reality and achievable. Um, but I think it's quite an exciting thing to go into the, into the approach with an open mind thinking, okay, well, what is our dream music video? What, if we had one shot at this, what would we want to do? What would we want to say? And then having a great team of people around you to kind of, yeah, make that a possibility. Yeah, definitely. So a band has contacted you and they've got like a very small sort of idea in the concept. Mm -hmm. What would be sort of your next step in your process in terms of hashing out that, idea and um yeah working with the band to sort of come up with a more fuller idea before the actual shoot day Mm -hmm. well I always like to try and find out uh the lyrics of the song and if uh whoever's written those lyrics if they have a particular what their connection is to the song in a way or what the song means to them or if there's something important that they want to say with the song. Because uh, obviously uh, you can also, you can interpret songs metaphorically or literally. And so I kind of really want to get an idea uh, where that song's coming from and how uh, integral it is to convey that message or if it's open to interpretation. Because obviously as well, when I listen to a song, when it's sent to me, I think in a way more visually before I think about themes and lyrics. Um, So for me, I I really enjoy hearing another person's opinion about the song. So then I can try and marinate that with the visual concepts that I'm coming up with. But um, yeah, what's great about it is it can be different where a band might have a few ideas or they might have a complete concept and they're like, this is what we'd like to do. What do you think? Or they're just like, here's a song. (laughs) Tell (laughs) us what we're going to do. And there's no right or wrong. And there's, there's not really a way that I prefer more than the other. That's what I like about it. It's never the same. But um, in the example, you said if a band had some, some sort of concept and some sort of ideas, then I guess it's it's my job then to take what they've given me and then uh, interpret it how I imagine it coming out as a finished product and filling in those gaps and those blanks with suggestions 
Um, and so a lot of the time I'll put together some sort of treatment or proposal with visual references and links to other videos and photos and stuff like that to try and um, make clear what I'm thinking because uh, I've noticed if I just write back uh, in text, obviously that can be interpreted in so many different ways because all our imaginations are so different and the way we uh, picture things is so different visually. So I try to be quite concise with what I'm suggesting. Uh, so then it's easier for a band to say, yeah, that's cool. Or, oh, no, we don't like that. And then we can keep moving on from there. And, um, yeah, then trying to turn those concepts into uh, scenes and segments and giving the band an idea of uh, the flow of the music video and what I imagine here and what I imagine there. Um, so generally if a band approaches me with bits and pieces, then I try and turn that into a full fleshed idea and then I'll send that back to the band. And then we kind of just def detail that out to finalize it together. And then that turns into a shooting schedule and a plan of attack. And then with all that prep, the theory is that you get to set on the day and it's all rainbows and butterflies. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any? And most of the time it is as well. And if something doesn't work out, like it's cool because um, you just go with the flow on the day and something else happens and then you forget what the, even the thing was that didn't work out because whatever happens, I guess, in a way is what is meant to happen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. I love that. Um, <laughs> do you have any tips in terms of like do you ever recommend that bands prepare for the shoot in a particular way? Like do you ever tell mm. bands that they need to you know, if it's a performance-based video clip, they need to rehearse in front of like a camera or anything, or do you kind of just um, just let it sort of happen naturally on the day? Yeah, I I, I noticed like in the beginning uh, of the business, I never really comprehended or appreciated the the proposition of putting someone in front of the camera and saying action. <laughs> you know, uh, it's easy for me behind the camera even like before this interview when I was like is it video or audio because like if you put me in front of a camera I, I freeze I freak out and I start <laughs> over analyzing everything and like I'm totally aware of that but when you're behind the camera in a way uh it's easy to sometimes forget what a mammoth task that is for the person you're shooting and um I never really stopped to think about that too much until I had a shoot once where um, the singer just completely froze and had no confidence in themselves. And I, I saw the whole shoot falling apart around me. And I'm really thankful for that experience because I really had to uh, take that person aside and work with them and nurture them and push everything else away and just focus on this one person and that whole experience really was great for me because it really uh, opened me up to the the concept of being on the other side of the camera and um I don't per se in pre-production tell people to do this or to do that but what I do try to do is do all that on set not in the moment when we're about to say action, but as we're setting up, I like to be very thorough. I, I hope that I am in terms of uh, discussing 
like we've already discussed what we're going to do and what's going on. But when we're in person, it is so much different when you have the set and you can see it with your own, or your own eyes. So then it's a great opportunity to go over everything again in person. This is what we're going to be doing for this take. And this is how we're going to do it. I generally do the first take this way because it does this, this, and this for you guys. And I really try to keep them on the path that I'm on. So everyone, everyone knows what's going on. And, um, I try to also just make it as relaxed as possible. Like, yeah, it can be stressful and there's so much work to do. And sometimes there's, for me, I, I really never eat on set as well because I'm just so in the zone. But I try to keep everything for the band as relaxed as possible and as fun because I'm a firm believer as well that that produces great results. Um, I've never really thought that I've made anything memorable under extreme circumstances of stress. And, um, so I think I try to do a lot of that stuff in person on the day as we're leading up to do the first take. Yeah. Everything you just said has certainly been my experience working with you on the, on, you know, the three videos that we've done together. So yeah, you definitely uh, are cool. relaxed. And I do remember that you didn't eat the entire day and we had this like <laughs> epic, like, uh, this epic feast after, after the, uh, the long shooting day. Oh yeah. Was, as so. soon as it ends and my stomach's like, man, what have you done to me all day? <laughs> Put something in me, but it, it like it won't happen while I'm working. So, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, coffee is a different thing. I can have oh, coffee totally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's always always time for coffee. Absolutely, there always. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we uh, wrap up our chat, mm -hmm. I would love to know um, if you had any advice for, um, firstly. Firstly, bands, um, yeah. when they are kind of starting out and they're looking to get maybe a consistent visuals around them or even just a visual, because a lot of bands I know have done lyric videos or they've released audio only, um, yeah. but they've never approached video. Is there any sort of like, you know, star advice that you would give for bands that are kind of um, concerned about tackling the whole visual thing? Yeah, well... I think what's great about right now, um, and I'm going to just use Australia as an example. Um, I think with, with a band, um, do your research and think about it. Like um, you obviously, you've done that with your music as well. So treat the visual world with the same kind of attention. Uh, think about what movies you like. Think about what music videos you like. And then if you notice, you know, what music videos you're enjoying, just uh, go to the YouTube description and see who directed it or see who the cinematographer was. And then, you know, you can then use that to check out a bit more of that person's work. And I think it's important just to spend a bit of time maybe finding a person whose style you resonate with and that you think could work with your band. Because... Um, yeah, I think Australia is so great and so exciting at the moment because once again, like I was saying before, there's just so many great music video directors doing what they do and they're all doing their own thing. Um, so I think it's important, uh, yeah, just to watch a few music videos, particularly coming out of Australia and then seeing who's responsible for that and then checking out their work more specifically. Um, it, it's really great because... When, when, when you start something, you really want to get 
everyone's work. You want to do all the jobs. And then when a job goes to someone else, you can sometimes feel bummed about it. And what's cool now is realizing that we're all doing what we're you know what we're good at and we have our own niche so for me it's not about getting all the work it's just about getting the work that's right for me and that people come to me for that so find the director that you think can work well with your band um because then you've kind of decided the style already and then once you go into pre-production with that director it's about then kind of yeah defining that style with your sound more specifically and uh, just remember to keep having fun with it. It's a big job, but, you know, when, when it's done and it's released, like release day for me is still one of, it's like Christmas every oh, yeah? time. Yeah, fuck, it's like so great. when Because like it's more than just, oh, cool, I've got another music video in the back catalogue, sick. Or, oh, yeah, I did a music video in Denmark. I've never done that before. It's, it's, it's got nothing to do with that. It's there's so much that's gone into it with the people that you've done it with. Like, and that's really unique, that experience to the people that were involved in that. And that's not shared with anyone else. That's really a beautiful thing. And you have that for the rest of your life. And, you know, some people that you work with, you may never see again, but you'll never forget them. And every, everything has an impact. And so release date is kind of an accumulation of all of that. And then it's released out into the world. So kind of, uh, yeah, create, create as well with uh, happiness and, you know, a good intention because people that are watching that work from behind their computer wherever they may be, will feel that and will notice that as well. And that's kind of, I think, what makes a big difference between a good clip and a great clip. Yeah, to me, I love getting the masters back of a song, but there is absolutely mm. nothing that beats getting the even the first edit of a video clip and just having... Oh, the, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> and just having, like, you know, a song that's unreleased that you're really proud of combined with visuals that you really feel uh, reflect the song and what you were trying to say. To me, I don't know if it's just because I'm a lyricist or whatnot, but there is, yeah. like nothing that compares to that it's my favorite part of it all <laughs> that that's so cool as well I guess as well for you for a musician receiving a first edit there's still also like you know what you did on set you know the scenes you know or you have a feeling it went well and you had a great time but at the end of the day as well there's still such a, an, an unknown element of what you're about to receive yeah because you know so many things are filmed so many things potentially won't be used or maybe didn't work out. So I can imagine when you're getting the first edit, there's that feeling of like, oh man, <laughs> what am I actually about to watch? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's that moment of surprise because, yeah, as you're right, it's, you're there on the day, but um, a lot of it, you know, is in, um, you know. In post as well. Yeah, and it's in post and, um uh -huh. Yeah, just, uh, yeah, it's really fun for me. <laughs> uh, that's cool. That's really good to hear. And um, <laughs> lastly, where do, you see, <laughs> where do you see the future <laughs> of Her Name is Murder Productions going? Mm, well, I, love, I guess that's a good question. We just had <laughs> our 10-year anniversary and so I'm coming off of that right now and uh, – I'm in a real 
reflective, retrospective headspace. And uh, I've been spending a lot of time thinking about the past decade and kind of what worked for me, what didn't work on a personal and professional level. And then, you know, what I want to take from those elements to put into the next 10 years. I guess where I see Her Name is Murder is I'd love to be here again in 10 years' time celebrating 20 years in the industry. Uh, I really just want to keep it going uh, because this is who I am and this is what I love uh, and this is my full-time job. In, uh, it has been since 2011. So in a way, I, I wouldn't even know where else to start if I wasn't doing this. Um, and this is, you know, it means everything to me. And I think as long as I still keep growing and learning and getting surprised by things, um, that's really important for me as well, that um, I'm not stuck creatively or I'm not inspired. So I think as long as that keeps happening as well, that will be an important thing for the business because that's what makes my brand continue to evolve and grow and spread and connect with people. Um, so let's just say hopefully in 10 years I'll be doing another podcast with you. Yes. <laughs> All right. It's marked in my calendar. It's happening. <laughs> yeah. We'll put it at an appointment now. <laughs> 24th of February. 2030. Beautiful. <laughs> well, DOB, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you as always. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Is there anything well, that you want to plug? <laughs> no worries. Is there anything you want to plug before we go? Oh, how about your band? I love, I love you guys. <laughs> I'm looking forward to hearing new music. <laughs> well, they should, they should all be following the Last Martyr. If you're not already following the Last Martyr, go find us on Instagram. But <laughs> this is your interview. Yeah. Where can people find you on um, socials? Um, I think most of my stuff is just at H-N-I-M-P for Her Name is Murder Productions. Um, so the easiest place, if I mean, if anyone's keen uh, to see what we're all about, uh, go to my Vimeo page, um, Her Name is Murder Productions. That has most of the work on there and uh, – most of the recent stuff uh, definitely obviously is a really great representation of vintage HD and what we're about and what uh, I'm trying to say as a visual storyteller. But um, yeah, got lots of exciting projects coming out because we've just, I've been spending the last few months tucked away in the European winter in an attic editing. So uh. I'm looking forward to getting back out on the road again soon, but at this stage it's still just releasing a lot of content and um yeah, just uh, looking forward to getting a lot of that stuff out, a lot of documentary work and some music videos and stuff like that as well. So, yeah, lots of exciting stuff still coming out and um, just really looking forward now to the future after the first 10 years of the business. So it should be a good time. Amazing. Well, best of luck with everything I know that you have coming up. And, um, yeah, I'm sure everyone will check out the links that I have left below. Cool. Thank you so much. Thank really appreciate you. the chat. Thanks. <laughs>
Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed that interview with David Owen Blackley from Her Name is Murder Productions as much as I enjoyed doing it. It is such a pleasure to have so many amazing people on this podcast, but it makes it extra special when the person that I'm interviewing is actually a friend who you've watched kind of grow and develop over the years. And Dave has worked with some of the biggest bands in the world, but he is just so humble and such an artist. And I know that the next decade for him is going to be even better than the last. If you're interested in working with him or connecting with him in any way, his links are down below. Also down below is the link to the Squad Sundays event where I'll be speaking next Sunday, the 1st of March, 2020, just in case you're listening to this in the future. If you are in Melbourne, I urge you to come along. It's only 25 bucks. You get pizza, you get wine. I'm going to be talking all about marketing and release strategy. And yeah, it's going to be fun networking, hanging with like-minded people. I would really love to meet you in person. And if you're interested in working with me on a deeper level on your own band's release and marketing strategy, wherever you are in the world, then hit me up at monicastrut.com or come send me a DM on Instagram. And yeah, we can see how we can work together. Anyway, I hope you guys have an amazing day or night, whatever time it is that you're listening to this, and I will speak to you soon. Bye.